When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For SEN America, this is the SEN NBA Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to the SEN NBA Podcast, the first one for 2017. Happy New Year, happy new year to all the listeners. My, I'm, I'm Luke Sicari, I'm hosting today with no one else in studio, everyone has ditched me, they've all gone overseas, but we are very, very lucky to have on the line from Sydney... NBA Australia's Carlin Gay. Carlin, how are you going, mate? I cannot complain, Luke. I, I feel honored and privileged for the fact that you reached out to me to be the first guest in, in 2017. Yeah. So it, it can only go up from here. You, you've reached the very bottom, so it can only go up from here. Every <laughs> single guest from here, I know, has a low bar to reach. <laughs> no, mate, it's not a low bar. I mean, you are working at probably the, the, the one place that anyone in this country, anyway, would want to go as a basketball writer, that's NBA Australia. I mean, if if I told you, I mean, when you were younger, that you would get a job at the NBA, but it would be in Sydney, Australia, like, <laughs> would, would you ever believe that? I, I, never, never, absolutely <laughs> not. I, first of all, I, I wouldn't even believe the fact that I, I'd be working at the NBA as a whole, period. Yeah. So just, just that alone is, is a dream come true, but... The fact that uh, you know I'm miles away from from my homeland, Canada, and here in Sydney, um, it, it's incredible. Like, if if you told me uh, as a young boy uh, growing up in Montreal, Canada, and, and Toronto, of course, uh, that I'd be covering basketball for a living, I'd probably say I, I don't want to do that. I'd rather cover hockey because wow, that's just yeah. what Canadians want to do. So when you were younger, were you a hockey guy, not a basketball? I was. Guy. I was a huge, huge, huge hockey fan. I mean. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens still my yep. team still has I still have a heart so, you know big heart you know, place for their place for my heart for that team and um, they were the last Canadian team to win the Stanley Cup in '93 when I was about six or seven and they uh, absolutely tore the city apart I remember it uh, vividly they gave us a day off school because it was unsafe to go to school Wow um, really yeah <laughs> Wow that is unbelievable yeah, Wow incredible experience I, I still remember it to this day. Uh, the parade, obviously, the, the days after. Um, so, yeah, it was a great time to have a championship. Well, anytime you could win a championship in the city and have everybody, you know, rally around that. So you, you get all these closet fans that, you know, never followed the sport at all, all of a sudden become the biggest <laughs> fans of the team in the world just because of their area code or, or you know, their postcode. But, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's great fun whenever, a, you know, a team in the city is winning. Yeah, absolutely. So, how did the um the love for basketball come around? Then, if you were a bigger Canadians man and a big hockey man when you were younger, how did um you get into the basketball scene? Well, well, a man named Michael Jordan stole my imagination, <laughs> as uh, he did with many. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the greatest of all time, in my opinion, and I mean, he uh, along with uh, you know the great NBA games that we only used to get NBA games once a week back then. There was no such thing as a league pass. Yeah, um, yeah. Was, the Raptors weren't even a thing. That, uh, no, they weren't. Either. No. Yeah. So uh, for for me, my team was always the Lakers. Uh, they would always come on after the Bulls game, so we'd have the doubleheader on NBC, and 
in uh, in North America, and that would always feature, uh, you know, the Chicago Bulls against whoever else. It would always be the Knicks or someone um, in, in the East, and then in the Western Conference game would obviously be the Lakers and you know, Portland or, or Seattle at the time, whoever else would be there, and the Lakers were my team uh, growing up. But uh, then the Raptors came. Yeah, know, absolutely. That, that just changed everything because now there was a team, uh, the closest team at, to Canada at that point would be Cleveland, Cleveland's only yep. about you know a couple hour drive, and Boston's pretty close to Montreal, where I grew up. Boston's about a five hour drive outside of Montreal. There's still actually a lot of Celtics fans in Montreal just because it's a lot. It's the same distance from Montreal to Boston as it is from Toronto to Boston. So yep. driving wise, so still a lot of Celtics fans in in Montreal. But that being said, um, it, it, the Raptors came and it just it changed everything because now the, it, it was real that there was a team you could go to a game, you didn't have to cross borders to do it. It was in your own backyard, so uh, that changed everything. Yeah, and you can see it now. I mean, the success of the Raptors, obviously winning games is one thing, but their home games are an absolute spectac- spectacle to see. In the playoffs, of course, they have the, they call it Jurassic Park outside the stadium there where the fans gather. It's something to see because the entire country can really can gather around this one team and support them, which is, it's pretty awesome to see. Yeah, it's, it, it is. It, it really is. It's, it's taken a while to get to this point yep. uh, where everybody's embraced Toronto is, you know, the Canada's team. And uh, there was a time where um, the Raptors were in purple and black and, and yeah. people were saying that, to, you know, that's not Canadian. You, you got to go with the Canadian colors, so yeah. which is the jersey colors. And we had the whole rebrand. Uh, but now with, with the team and, you know what, it helps that they're winning games, helps that they're, you yeah, know, that always helps. <laughs> so so now with the, with everything happening and, and that you have a legit star who's, who didn't leave when he had the chance to leave, and that's been Toronto's downfall. We've, we've had Vince Carter, and that obviously, you know, took over uh, Canada when he was there, but then he left. And then we had Chris Bosh, and that, you know, he took over for a time, but then he left as well. And even before that, we had Damon Stoudemire. We started with Damon Stoudemire, really, and, and then he left. But DeMar had the chance to leave and didn't leave. So this is the first kind of guy of, of, of Toronto's own that they could call their own. And he could finish his, his career there uh, as, as a Raptor for the entire time, not leaving in his prime like some of the other guys have. Yeah, he could. So um, how did how did you get down to, to Sydney then? How did that opportunity arise with NBA Australia considering your background? Well, well I, I actually didn't come down here for NBA Australia. This kind of I came down here uh for 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 love i guess i could call it uh, <laughs> my, my missus my missus here uh yeah. she's canadian as well um but she had an opportunity to go to to school here in sydney yeah. um and the distance was was far too too uh too hard on the relationship so i made a decision at that time and i left i left toronto where i was uh where i was working and i, I at chiasin radio and um doing stuff with northpolehoops.com which is a canadian basketball website and decided uh, to pick up and leave and, and, and come to Australia. And when I got here, um, I was I was quite happy with the fact that, uh, you know, it, there, there was a strong basketball culture here. And I actually had known that leaving uh, leaving Canada. I knew I was coming here to a place that had its own league. I knew I was coming here to, the you know, the number one market in terms of uh, league pass sales. So I understood yep. that, you know, there's a lot of basketball fans here uh, in Australia, but I also wanted to try something new and maybe give it a, a chance. And uh, I didn't plan on staying here beyond six months, but here I am now coming up on my two year anniversary of being in this country. And um, I really appreciate the fact that uh, the opportunity arose for, for me to get started here in Australia. And that's, uh, it's definitely changed my life. And uh, this is now home. This is yep. really now home, Luke. 
Yeah, well, it's a great story. I mean, it's one that probably not a lot of people have heard, but for someone to come down from, A, not even being a true basketball fan, being a hockey guy growing up yeah. in Canada when the Raptors weren't around, then the Raptors come around, then you come down to Sydney and they're at the NBA. It's a pretty incredible journey. But moving on, um, there's been some big news over the last 24 hours in the yeah. basketball world. It's literally turned, hasn't turned the league on its head. Like It's not like it was a superstar being traded, but Kyle Korver heading off to the Cavs. Now, as of this recording, it's not like officially, officially, official, but it's going to happen. Korver's admitted to it. You saw Paul, Paul Millsap talking about it the other day. I mean, the exact details are still sketchy, but... It's going to be along the lines of Cleveland giving up a highly protected 2019 first-round pick, uh, Mike Dunleavy, Mo Williams. So they're really not paying that much. You could argue if Corver is worth a first-round pick, but then again, it is highly protected. And this is what you do when you've got LeBron James in your team. You just go out and get the best fit possible. I mean, this is... This is scary. Like, you look at Cleveland, they're already one of the best three-point shooting teams, and they create such good looks, and now you add Kyle Korver to the mix. Like, how are you going to how are you gonna defend this team? Like, it's imagine rolling out a lineup of it's something like Irving, and you have J.R. Smith, you can have LeBron. Uh, mate, you said you have Korver instead of J.R. Smith. You can have LeBron, Channing Fry, Kevin Love. I mean, it, there's so many options. I mean, there's so many, this team... It, it's going to be hard to defend now. It was already hard to defend. It's going to be almost impossible. Yeah, that's the thing here. It's well, the rich really get richer in the NBA. I mean, yeah, money finds money. Uh, the, LeBron James um, obviously uh, won. I mean, the team understands that the Golden State Warriors made the biggest move of the offseason, maybe in the past five years when they picked up Kevin Durant and really didn't lose um, any of their core guys. So uh, they obviously lost. Guys like Bogut and you know uh, and some other key pieces off the bench, most states. But getting Kevin Durant really essentially for Harrison Barnes maybe the biggest move in the last ten. You could, I could probably even stretch it to ten years. Maybe ever um, you could stretch it yeah. to ever, considering the circumstances behind it and the backstory. Yeah. So I mean, Cleveland obviously had to answer, and the question was when they would answer. And this has come has come about. Uh, Atlanta's obviously in a situation where. Um, they do understand that this is probably not a championship year for them. So mm-hmm. why not rebuild in a year where the draft is supposed to be really, really strong? We're not talking about a top-heavy draft here. We're talking about you can get a steal in the 20-so-odd picks. Um, that could be a foundation for, for you know building your franchise. And the Hawks are jumping to the gun you know, before everybody else. Trade season only really opened up a couple of weeks ago, and here they are making the move. And, yeah. But for, I think the, the the sneaky winner in this whole thing, we talk about Cleveland uh, offensively and, and what they'll do, um, but the sneaky winner in this whole thing is the Blazers because the Blazers needed to facilitate that trade yeah. uh, by by allowing by becoming that third team. They now have two picks in this first round, Luke, uh, yeah. in, in 20, 2017, and, which is supposed to be a very strong draft. So the, obviously the Blazers are not having the season they wanted, um, but this is a plus for them to build. They have the two cornerstones for their franchise. Um, they have a, a guy named Cesar Cizili who obviously hasn't played this year, uh, but he's a piece that I think defensively would help them huge when he does come back in eventually. And I, it may not be this year, but it could be next. But they're setting themselves up to be, you know, uh, in the running uh, to, to eventually take down Golden State. Because uh, be honest with you, Golden State's window. It isn't going to be open forever. It's going to have to pay some guys, and uh, the Blazers may be able to strike when that when that happens. Yeah, and it's an interesting point. I had, actually hadn't really thought of the um the, the Blazers' angle. I kind of just overlooked it, but it's an interesting point because 
they've got a roster that you're probably seeing it more this year than last. And it has considerable gaps and it is flawed. They need pieces. You know, their defense is just horrible. The Evan Turner signing has been awful. So they've got, I mean, you you mentioned Azili, um, but again, he's out till next year. I mean, I still think Portland make that eight seed in the West, like as bad as that eight seed is looking, Portland will just get in on talent alone. But I mean, it, it, two first round picks, it gives them something to build upon it because it gives them pieces. It could even be a trade piece. I mean, you never know. Maybe they want to, you, you can package those two or one of them. You can figure out, is McCullum the guy to pair with Lillard? There's a lot, you can do a lot if you're Portland with those picks, as opposed to just yeah. selecting someone. You know, draft guys, picks. Guys who sit there and play NBA 2K17 <laughs> or, or any video game that, and try to GM their team to a championship, are their mouths are watering by the tools <laughs> that what Portland have. I mean, they have a lot at their, at their disposal. Because like you said, they're not a bad team. It's not like Portland doesn't have a chance to make the playoffs. Yeah, and then, they've underperformed, but the, I think they still make the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. They they have a chance, and uh, and then on top of it, they have their franchise guy already. It's not like they're still in search of it. The the worst part to place to be in in the NBA, and this is where the Hawks, uh, you know, realize that this is where they are. They don't have a franchise guy. So what no. do you do when you don't have one? You you got to go out and get one. And that's the hardest thing to do. Yeah, Portland doesn't have that problem. They they have their franchise guy. He's not going anywhere, and they also have their their Robin to their Batman. Uh, yeah. and, and there's a good chance that he's not going anywhere either. They look like they're a happy couple. So that, that being said, especially in the NBA now, where guard play is, is, is you know it, it is the be all and end all. Um, they have you know two of the best guards that you can have in the Western Conference. So really, they just have to have pieces around them. So they're, when they're drafting. With these two picks, they're not looking for franchise players. They're looking for guys to come in to do specific things, and that's a very strong position to be in when you're talking about bringing in rookies who you expect to make an impact. Because let's face it, you, you can have a, lo- a lot of Joel Embiid's and he's a uh, you know Ben Simmons and guys like that when you pick them at the top of the draft, but you're asking them to put you're putting too much on their shoulders essentially. Yeah. You're asking them to do everything. You're asking them to pull you out of the grave and you know get you to the promised land. Portland's not going to be asking their rookies to do that. And then, like you said, if they want to, they can package those things and get it. You know, uh, what if they get a Boogie Cousins? What if that's, yeah. you know, what if that's an option to them? Then we're talking about Portland. Uh, forget about eighth seed. We're talking about Portland maybe even buying for the one seed. There's so many options here for Portland. I think they're the biggest winners of this trade. Yeah, that, that's an interesting point. And, and going back to the Cavaliers, it got me thinking, I mean, obviously this Corver move, it's going to – um. It's going to do increase their offensive proficiency by a whole lot because of the obvious reasons. But just, I think defensively, I mean, Corford can help because he's a guy like he's not very athletic or he's not going to be able to stay in front of guys for 48 minutes by any means, but he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. You know, he, he he's very attentive on the defensive end. He'll be in the right spots. He doesn't get beaten off the ball a lot. I mean, he can help. It's not like you're bringing him in as a liability on the defensive end. So, like, he's another guy that when they go up against Golden State, like, as we presume, presume will be in the finals, you can have him out there against that death lineup, you know? you can He can guard Andre Iguodala for a little bit. Like, he can just stand next to Iguodala. I mean, <laughs> he, he, he can stay out there against Golden State. I mean, that was the biggest question with Kevin Love, was can he play against Golden State? I think, I mean, he had the biggest plus minus in game seven of the finals and he, he was productive on Christmas Day. So he, I feel he can, he's got a role against them because that's really the biggest question if you're playing for Cleveland is, well, can you play against Golden State, right? Because that, yeah, that's well, the one team you're, you're building this team to beat. I think Corver can. Right. 
You're, you're exactly right. That is the one team that you're, you're really building the beat. But um, I, I think uh, this would be the first time we disagree, and I hope it's the last because I, I, I don't <laughs> know. I don't know if I truly trust Kyle Korver on his defensive end. Uh, like you said, he's not a defensive line. He's not a turnstile. He's not going to just allow yeah. people to score on him, uh, you know, willy nilly. But the bottom line is this: when you're playing at when you're playing Golden State, and you're playing that death lineup. That is the best possible lineup that you could you could be playing in basketball, mm-hmm. in possibly basketball history. Uh, we're talking about Kyle Korver going to have it probably have to guard you know Clay Thompson or you know he may get switched on Kevin Durant. That's barbecue chicken. If I'm Car- if I'm Kevin Durant and I'm seeing Kyle Korver in a finals matchup, um, you know trying to check me, that, that, that's barbecue chicken. Same for same thing goes for Clay Thompson. We're talking about world class scores here. And Kyle Korver has never shown in his career that he's going to be able to stop anybody at, at that level. But that being said, they're not going to ask him to lock those guys down. He, he's just going to have to play great team defense. And I think uh, they'll put, they won't put him in the situation. Tyron Lue, I don't think it's enough credit for what he's done uh, with this Cavs team, especially on the defensive end. But he's gonna, he, he's, he understands it. Korver's coming in here to shoot. So you're just going to have to hide him defensively for a couple possessions, and that's not going to hurt anything. So um, they're really bringing him in for the offense, and and that's that's huge. Uh, the, the other thing, LeBron came out and said that uh, they need a backup point guard. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think when they shipped out Mo Williams, this is this probably not going to be the last deal that we see the Cavaliers yeah. uh, a part of. Um, so that's going to be the interesting one for me. That's going to be the one that really pushed them over the top. I don't think that this Corver deal um, pushed them over the top to beat Golden State. That being said, I'm not saying that I haven't I haven't said that the Cavaliers uh, would win the championship if they were to meet, but I don't think that this guarantees them uh, a championship um, with this Corver move. I, I think that it made them a little bit better, but not by not by much. Yeah, would would what Corver provides offensively outbalance what he doesn't provide defensively in your mind? I mean, against Golden State, with Corver providing the extra floor spacing and probably you'd say, I don't know, two or two to four more three pointers a game, so nearly about about ten more points, does that um does that outbalance any deficiencies he brings defensively against Golden State? Well, well, for me, the thing is, is you can only play five guys at a time. So, yeah. who do you take off? I mean, you have you have Kyrie, LeBron, and Kevin Love. Those three guys are going to play on the floor. It's just a matter of who who else could uh, you know add to that mix. I think bringing Corbett just brings gives you another option because you're, you, obviously you need the shooters, but it, it's just a situation where. He just gives you another option where you can bring a shooter. Let's say JR's cold one day. You know, say Chan and Fry's not, you know, he, he doesn't bring it every night. Corver could come in and give you that quick 15 points uh, and really change the game. I think that's why you bring a Kyle Corver in. I don't think you bring him in to play a set amount of minutes. I don't think he's going to be in, uh, you know, a, tw- um, a rotation where he's getting, uh, you know, 15 to 12 minutes every game. I think it's going to be uh, very situational, especially in the playoff time. Uh, come playoffs, so whether or not Corver gets the minutes over Jr. or over Shumpert, because uh, it's really going to depend on, on a is he going to be is going to be able to hit that shot, and knock it down uh, frequently, or and b how they find a way to really hide him defensively, because um, they don't have Birdman Anderson anymore, who they were depending on, I'm sure, to give them at least five to seven minutes in the playoffs uh, to to really protect the rim. Um, so, so who who's going to really be his defensive backbone? Uh, in Cleveland, so to speak. You're already asking LeBron to do a lot. Um, Kyrie's not, you know, the greatest defender in the world. Kevin Love's not the greatest defender in the world. And and neither is Kyle Corver. So you have already three guys, really, that can't 
lock anybody down, and then you're asking LeBron to really cover up their mistakes and maybe Tristan Thompson to cover up their mistakes. That's a lot to you know, a lot of pressure to put on two guys on the defensive end when you're talking about a team that's been scoring, you know, five, six thousand points a game in the Golden State Warriors yeah. if they were to face each other. Yeah, well I mean Ty Lewis, I'm pretty sure he said it this morning that Corver will be coming off the bench. So they're not yeah. gonna insert him straight into the starting lineup and like and you think about it now, the Cavs have also found a guy in DeAndre Liggins who can play rotational minutes. Um, I mean, do you want to play him Liggins in the playoffs, in the finals? Probably not. So I think Corver, it gives them, like you said, it's, it's another option. It's an option yeah. that if you, told, if you told me at the start of the season that the Cavs would end up with Corver and would only lose Mike Dunleavy and Mo Williams, who hasn't even played because of whatever. I don't even know what's happening with his contract anymore. It's a really weird situation. <laughs> I literally lost track, but he's not playing. And a twenty heavily protected 2019 first-round pick, I would say, you know what? Like, that's a good deal. I mean, Corver isn't the same guy when the Hawks were 60-win. When the Hawks were a 60-win team, Corver was the guy that a lot of coaches were scared of. They're like, we've got to stop him. He's not like that guy anymore where he's going to almost be a game-changing presence. But if you... You think about the looks that LeBron James generates for his teammates. I mean, like, they've made Channing Fry, who was pretty much forgotten before he came to Cleveland, a legitimate weapon. Like, a legitimate Absolutely. weapon on the offensive end. Now with Corva, he's already a legitimate weapon. You're bringing him in, and it's almost going to create the same kind of looks. Now, like, obviously, you're not going to leave Corva wide open, but you're not going to leave LeBron open. You're not going to leave Irving open. You're not going to leave Love open. Like, so someone's going to be left open with these looks. So to me, like I just can't, I can't think of a a, a better way to say. But Cleveland with this deal just get. I, I mean, do they get better than Golden State? I don't know. I I, I think they can beat Golden State even without Corver. So it definitely increases the chances. But I just I just keep going back to the offensive end and think this team's going to be so much harder to stop. I mean, honestly, if, if the Cavs and the Warriors play in the finals, we could see two of the best offenses nearly ever. Like those games could be like 120 to 120 each. Now, obviously, the yeah. defense goes up in the finals and things get tighter and you miss more shots because I don't know nerves maybe and it's it's it, it's a tighter game. It it's just it is in the finals and the playoffs. But if you put these two offensive juggernauts out there, Cleveland isn't great defensively. Golden State are probably playing better defense now than they were at the start of the season. But you put these two teams out there for seven games. It's going to be a lot of points. A lot of points yeah. are going to be scored. It's going to be some entertaining basketball games. Yeah, I think I, I think what you, I think you, you said it best just now. You, know, you, you list what the what the Cavs really gave up to get Corver, and you think to yourself that what they gave up is really really nothing. Um, Dunleavy didn't play all year. Mo Williams is not the Mo Williams of old, and the draft pick that they end up giving up is not going to be anything special. You're going to be getting it at the bottom of a round. And it, to be honest with you, if they had to use that pick themselves, that player would be sitting on the bench for a couple of years or maybe end up in the D League or somewhere because there's too much talent on the roster and they'd probably rather sign a veteran uh, to, to take that roster spot. So, um, And you get, you get Corver instead, who may or may not play. He, he could come in and not play. He could come in and play one game in the finals. He could come yeah. in and play you know, 10 minutes in, in the entire playoff. Um, but he's another weapon, as you mentioned. He's, he's just one other guy that now, if you're Steve Kerr or if you're Greg Popovich or, or even Doc Rivers or whoever else makes it out of the Western Conference Finals, he's one other guy that you now have to sit through you know, tape of, of watching him get his shots off because 
he's going to be someone that you're going to have to pay attention on the floor because every basket matters in the finals and the playoffs. And even he's, he could be a decoy as well. It's just one other guy that even if he's not going to be able to, to shoot in the clip that he, he had been shooting in that 60-win season, uh, he does create space now for LeBron to, to be able to maneuver. And that LeBron's obviously found a way his entire career to, to make something out of nothing, meaning that um, the defensives have always keyed on LeBron, and he still puts up his numbers. You, you, there's no way you can stop him. But if you give him uh, you know, an extra you know, inch on the floor to find something uh, to get to the way to get to the tin or something like that, um, that's just a plus for him. He, he's just – He's something special. He's he's the best basketball player that we've seen uh, since Michael Jordan. And I'm a big Kobe Bryant guy. Yeah. <laughs> Kobe Bryant guy. And I'm admitting that uh, I don't think there's anyone uh, that has been as good as as you know LeBron James has over the last you know ten years. So um, when you play with an elite talent like that, and you give him tools. They always find a way. So it's just, it's just simple as that. And it's interesting as well, because you think about the looks that Corver got in Atlanta. And that was a lot of, off a lot of back screens and pin downs. It was a lot of off ball actions getting those looks playing with not a, not great talent in Atlanta or good talent, (laughs) but not great, great talent in Cleveland. All those off ball actions, he's not going to need them to get his open looks. Like, like you mentioned there with LeBron, I mean, he's not. Cleveland aren't going to need to draw up these these magical Mike Budenholzer sets to get him open because he's going to get open by not by accident, but like just because there's so much talent on the floor. He's just going to yeah. be open by a byproduct of that. We, we can we we we're, we're talking about uh, Cleveland as if they just have LeBron James, but they also have Kyrie yeah. Irving and Kevin Love <laughs> as well, which, which opens up the floor even more. So. Uh, yeah, Corver's. I think Corver's going to realize when he gets to Cleveland how easy the game can be. Um, he's probably had a tough time his entire career, really, to get his own shot off, running around screens and uh, being the, the the new version of Rip Hamilton, running running around the court and having a guy chase him. Where now he could stand on a on a point on the floor and his man will leave, and then all of a sudden he becomes wide open. And he, I don't think he's ever played in a system. Uh, it's not even really a system. It's just going to be basketball. Yeah, yeah. Where where he can you know uncover just so easily without even having to move. That's going to put some years on his career. To be quite honest with you, I mean, look what it did for Mike Miller when he was in in uh, in Miami. Look what you know. Uh, look what it's done to uh, Richard Jefferson to a lesser extent. Oh my gosh, Richard <laughs> Jefferson is a, he, he, he's unbelievable. Yeah, uh, he's exactly. On guys, still. <laughs> uh, so I guess LeBron is a new guy that he's he's extending careers. Um, and, and to be honest with you, Kyrie's uh, brought his game up to another level. So yeah, Corver is going to get there, and he could talk about being sad about leaving Atlanta. But let's be honest, okay? <laughs> let's be quite honest. I understand that Cleveland is not the most prettiest city in the world to live in. Uh, I probably pick Atlanta, you know, every day out of the week to live in, rather than Cleveland. But if you want to win a championship uh, and you want to do it in the easiest way possible, you know, work smart, not hard. Go to Cleveland. So stop this Atlanta stuff. Stop being sad about it, Kyle Korver. He, quietly, <laughs> him and his family were cheering when he got the phone call from his agent saying you're going to Cleveland. Yeah, and look, let's quickly touch on the Hawks. Is Paul Millsap next? That's the thing. Well, it, it could be even uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. I'm seeing reports of yeah. Tim Hardaway Jr. possibly being on the move uh, this morning as, as we record this. So um, Millsap, to me, um, I think if they move him, it's clear what they're doing. It's clear that they they are looking to, to you know start from scratch. Um, a lot of people, I, mean, I, I have it close to home because 
um, being a Toronto you know boy and a mm-hmm. Toronto fan, um, a lot of people are expecting him to be in Toronto already before Corver even moved. Um, but for the Raptors, I I say is it's very it's a pretty unpopular opinion. I say stay put. Um, you're in a situation where even if you got Paul Millsap, and depending on what you had to give up to get him, you're still not going to be better than the Cleveland Cavaliers. Mm-hmm. So why why mortgage the future for a possible you know six month stay with or, or even less than that with Paul Millsap? Millsap's going to be a free agent. There's no guarantee that he's going to resign in Toronto. And even if he does give you that guarantee to resign in Toronto. You're still not. He's 31. You're still not guaranteed that this guy is going to, you know, bring you over the top. The Cavaliers are that much better than the Raptors. That uh, it's going to take more than Paul Millsap uh, and even Boogie Cousins to get them over the top. So uh, I would stay put and just stay the course. Continue to build your team the slow, you know, slow but surely way, which Masai has has been doing since he's got there. He's only made two in-season trades um, yeah. since he's been there. So and, and it wasn't it wasn't huge trades. It was the the Rudy Gay trade uh, that ended up getting Patrick Patterson, and then they traded the Austin Day to the Spurs, which no one remembers that yeah. either team had got uh, Austin Day. So Masai's not a guy that's going to you know jump just because people say that sources are out there that he's going to you know Paul Millsap is on the loose. Um, if he was going to get Paul Millsap, I thought I think he probably would have already gotten him. To be honest with you. Uh, he was available in the summer. They had talks. That's that's a real thing, and it didn't happen. So, either the Hawks were asking for too much, or the Raptors uh, weren't willing to give up, uh, you know, uh, enough to give him. So, if Millsap is on the move, there's teams. I, I I've heard New Orleans. I don't think that's that's going to do anything for the Pelicans either. What what do they what do they yeah. mean in getting Paul Millsap? Um, yeah, it gives Anthony Davis more help than what he has now, but. We're thinking long-term with Anthony Davis. He's not in his yeah. 30s. There's no rush really there. Um, if, if anything, uh, the, the team that might, uh, I think, needs to look at a, a Paul Millsap or I could see ending up on uh, it, it with Paul Millsap is you know, someone like Indiana mm. or yeah. um, Charlotte. How about a Boston? Like that. Yeah, Boston. Boston has the pieces. Boston's always Boston will have the pieces for forever because Brooklyn's traded yeah. you know, every single pick that they've ever had. So um, <laughs> Boston will always be in every trade talk. But what is it? I mean, do you do you, you pair up Millsap and and Horford again? That didn't get anywhere in Atlanta. So I I, I don't mm, really see it that's happening true. in Boston. So um, it, it it's really it's really a situation where I think Millsap probably was on the table for a very long time, but teams are looking at it. And saying oh, we're not going to give up anything because we're not getting really a guy that's going to change the course of our franchise or even put us in the title hunt. So that's that's hard if you're Atlanta because yeah. you want to rebuild, um, and you're you're probably going to end up losing Millsap for nothing if you don't trade him. Yeah, and that's the thing. Millsap's thirty-one. So is his value going to be that high? Like he's past yeah. the age age of thirty. So how much are you going to get for him? And like if you're Atlanta as well now, like you look, you got Schroeder, so you got your point guard. Now, what do you do with Dwight Howard? Like, there's so many um, after effects of this still for the Hawks. Like, I, I don't know. What do you do with Dwight? I mean, Dwight's not going to have much value. I mean, he still has, he can still provide teams with things that they need with rim protection. He run, still runs the floor. He can finish at the basket. But, like, do you just hold on to Dwight now? Like, like what do you do with the, the Hawks? are in an interesting position. They're in a very, because they don't, I mean, who's their superstar? Like we well, talked, thing, we we talked about Portland before how they got lured. They got their franchise guy. Who's that Lancers? I think that's why Dwight's there. I, I don't think Dwight's there really 
uh, at this point. They, I, I think they tried with Dwight to, to get back to. I mean, they, they lost Horford, which is obviously their main. You know uh, what they they obviously wanted to do. Um, they, there was talk of them maybe playing Horford and, and Howard together at some point. I don't think um, that would have been anything special. But that being said, uh, they went out and got Dwight. But uh, it, it, at the end of the day, it's a business as well. I mean. Yes, you want to win basketball games, but you also have to sell tickets. And Atlanta is mm. a very tough market to sell tickets in. Um, so bringing a hometown bull, and maybe you, you expect or you hope if you're in Atlanta to get you know the upswing in ticket sales or, or, or whatever the case may be. But um, you still need to have somebody on the floor um, to, to get the job done. But also, let's not discredit what Howard is. Howard, in his past couple of seasons, he has got a bad rap. But you look at his numbers. And they're a lot better than most centers in the league that well, are getting some of the praise out here. So, he's he's performing this season. Yeah, he yes, is. But he has been for the last couple of years. When he even when he was in LA and injured, he's he's still putting up numbers where uh, it's a lot better than what most NBA centers are giving you. It's just not the numbers that he put up, you know, in, in Orlando, and he's not doing it on on winning teams. But uh, the last couple of years, he's been fine. If you cut down on the injuries, you're getting a very solid player. Um, there's no there's no reason why Atlanta should be looking to you know try to move for or, or sorry Howard they just should be trying to help him get as healthy as possible because when he is healthy he's still one of the best centers in the NBA especially defensively. Yeah, that, that that's true. I mean that is true. Now moving on quickly, the All Star voting is Arsa Pachulia. I mean we saw <laughs> we saw Demarcus Cousins' reaction to it the other day. He was he couldn't believe it. Th- th- does this have to change? Well, it, it has. Uh, it has. That's the thing. It's, well, it has, but it has it got to change more. Well, the thing is, is the players haven't voted yet, and, and neither has the media. So once they do, I think I think Zaza won't be in the starting lineup. <laughs> but, but that being said, it's it's all fun uh, for the fans, really, to you know to poke fun of this, uh, you know, having Zaza in there. Uh, I'm sure Zaza is probably embarrassed by you know the fact that uh, this is happening, and he's he's the one guy that everybody chose to try and get into the starting lineup. But it also must be frustrating for guys who are having career years um, who should, quite frankly, be starting. And um, it, it, sometimes even when you give the fans like the, the, the 100% vote, I mean, well, Dwayne Wade's currently starting in the you know, on the east side. We, we could talk about Zaza, but Dwayne Wade's currently starting, and he's not deserving of that starting spot. Yeah. Um, he, he, hasn't, he hasn't played to you know, starting standards in the All-Star game. It's more of a, you know, a... A popularity contest. So I'm very, I'm still happy. I'm very happy with the fact that you know the fans and the uh, players are going to get to vote, um, and also the media, so that we can you know finally try to get some guys who really truly deserve to be in the starting lineup of the All Star game on the floor. Not you know um, yeah, there's a lot of first time All Stars um, that go through the years, but they always end up on the bench uh, unless they're you know their fan favorite. Um, you know, like I said, guys like Dwayne Wade shouldn't be starting. And, no. I mean, great player, Hall of Fame guy, shouldn't be starting. Uh, yeah. Jimmy Butler should be started from that team, and that's it. If if you were to put someone in there, um, but yeah, it, it, it did need to change. It has changed, and we'll see. We'll, we'll see the uh, Zazas of the world um, <laughs> being sl- slipping in the polls a little bit when uh, when the fans and or sorry when the uh, media and the players. Uh, put their vote in, and that's going to be interesting. What's going to be interesting to me is what the players vote. Do they vote for themselves, mm. or do they take this seriously? And you know what? Throw out the vote to uh, you know to to the guys that are really deserving. Well, that's the thing with me when I'm talking about the All Star game. Is like you always hear players if they don't make it, you know, they get frustrated. And you know, Damian Lillard's been he's been public about it in the past that he's been really angry that it didn't make the All Star game. But when I watch the All Star game. 
I watched the players and it seems like they couldn't care less. Like, yeah. I, I understand that you don't want to get injured. They're not trying. It's an exhibition, but like, they speak so much prior to it about how it, it's an honor and it means something. But then when I watched the game and it's, it's getting worse and worse each year and I'm like, do they really, like, do they really care? I mean, like, then you go, I, I was on Twitter the other day and like, um, I think the Denver Nuggets tweeted out something. It's like, this is your 3 a.m. reminder to hashtag NBA vote Jimmy and Nelson. And it's something just, it's just like, is this, I mean, I understand the humor in that. I understand it. But like, does, does that hurt the prestige of the All-Star game? Or like, when you just have stuff like that, just going on Twitter at the middle of the night. I mean, I, I know it's a joke. I understand that. But people always want to say they want the All-Star game to be more serious. I mean, is this making it? To me, it's almost becoming not a joke, but it's just becoming more of a a fun thing to do, as opposed to like these are the best what thirty players from each conference this season. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. Well, I think I think that's what the All Star Game should be anyway. I don't think it should be a serious event because uh, no, it, it shouldn't be. Want, but yeah, yeah, the last thing you'd want is if you were, as say, the Cleveland Cavalier fan, LeBron decides to go, you know, full tilt and ends his season, you know, in the off. Yeah, no, I don't think we should be not going full tilt, but maybe just a little bit more. Like, I don't know, I'll watch it now and it's it's literally like they just stand there and just watch yeah. each other play. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It's maybe, I don't know. People enjoy it, so. Yeah, the thing is, is it's street ball. It's still, yeah. it's, it's a fun game and what I think it is for for the players that that get uh, you know voted onto the team and brought onto the team, even though it may look like they're sleepwalking through the game, I think it's a, a great privilege for them to to, yeah. to go as you know one of the twenty four best players in the world, really, um, just to play in this game. And on top of that, you learn so much uh, from the guys that uh, say you're a first time All Star. I remember when when Lowry met the All Star team his first year. Um, he, he took away a lot of experience from you know guys like LeBron, guys like Chris Bosh, who had won rings um, and, and what it takes to win. Just having those type of conversations, I think for the players, it's more about that. Just spending the weekend with other guys in the league to, to maybe bounce ideas off of, because these are most for the most part, these are your peers who have been there and done that, or who want to do it. So it, it, it's good to see them get the knowledge that they – because, I mean, going around with your team, you, you sit around with your team for two games a year. Uh, there's only so much Lowry you can talk to DeRozan about. They've only reached <laughs> a certain – you know, they've only reached a certain level. They've only reached the yeah. conference finals once. They, they haven't played a finals game in their life. Um, so it, 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 to, to listen to, a, you know, LeBron talk about what it takes, what, what the hard work uh, they put in takes to – or even talk to Paul George about being in a game seven of an Eastern Conference final and – um, you know what? Not making it back to you know to the playoffs the year later, a couple of years later. Um, those type of stories, I think that's what they take away more than actually being in the game. And that's always good. Is if, if you're a fan of a team and you get an All Star there, you always see that that All Star comes back with a certain level of swagger that he probably didn't have before he left. Yeah. Um, because you didn't, then that's when they realize that hey, I'm just as good as everybody else. Uh, in this league, and that's that's really what uh, for me watching the Raptors it, it changed there when when Larry went to the All Star to the All Star game. That's that's really when they started to go to a different level. Um, watching him and Demar uh, interact and, and go on Team USA and you know play with these elite players. Uh, that that's when they started to take the game uh, to the next level and, and know what it takes to win. 
Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm just being too greedy. You're probably right. Maybe I just wanted to see a better All-Star game. But at the end of the day, it's a players' event. So it's not something that anyone should really lose any sleep about. Yeah, Yeah, no, it is. It's for the fans. It's for the players to have a break, enjoy themselves, be together. Like you said, get that experience with some guys that they wouldn't normally have. The fans enjoy it. I mean, we saw the dunk contest get rejuvenated last year. So there's still a lot happening there. Hey, there's me. Pretty much nearly on the same topic with All Star, jump across to the MVP just really quickly. Here we go. Harden or Westbrook? Who have you got at the moment? Uh, oh, man. I mean, are we we assuming it's just those two? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm, are uh, you putting LeBron I'm, in there too? Well, well, LeBron's in there every year, so that's uh, he, yeah. he goes without saying. But uh, Kevin Durant's up there. For yeah, me. Uh, he, he is. was my pick to be honest with you from the start of the season. So I, I'm kind of a little biased there in that in that instance. Uh, but I always, I'm I'm just. I'm just in the, in the mind of this is a guy who's playing on the best team in the best, you know, in the best conference, that, so to speak, you know, has the best record. Um, and he, he's only elevated his game on both ends of the floor. We could talk about the great scorer that he is, but he's leading his team at blocks. Did anybody think that Kevin Durant would be going to any team in, you know, in the NBA and be leading them in blocks? He, he's challenging himself to step up defensively. And I think we need to give him some credit for that. This is a team that's, you know, known for their offense, but they could have done in the defensive end as well, uh, considering the, the pace that they play. So, um, and that's all led really by Kevin Durant. Uh, J- Draymond Green isn't getting the credit defensively as he was before because he's not doing as much. Is Kevin Durant's helping him out a ton defensively. I don't think he's getting enough credit for that. So, um, Kevin Durant needs to be in the conversation. But if, if I had to pick a winner right now, it's got to be Harden. Um, yeah. What he's doing uh, with the talent that he has. Is incredible. I understand he's playing in a system that was, you know, perfect for him, just like it was for Steve Nash. But he's t- Steve Nash had talent around him. Steve Nash had Amari Stoudemire. Steve Hash had, you know, uh, Sean Marion. Steve Hash had great talent around him. All stars. Who does Kevin, who does uh, uh, James Harden have on that team? That's going to be an all star. There's no one no, that can yep. an all star spot on that team, and they're sitting here at 28 and nine as we record this. Winners of their last six in third place in the Western Conference. It's incredible to see what he's doing with the talent given to him. You know, he has uh, he has a uh, who's that they lost um, not too long ago. They're they're starting center. Capella. Uh, Clint Capella. Capella yep. goes down. Um, they, they they lost Dwight Howard. Clint Capella goes down, and now they're playing Montrezl Harrell, um, who is all of maybe six seven. And still, this is a team that's winning games. They're yeah. still finding a way, and it's because of him. Um, so he gets my vote, and I think he, he would win if the season ended today, to be quite honest with you. Uh, he should have won two years ago when uh, yeah. Steph won his first uh, MVP. He had that team in the second place in the Western Conference with Dwight Howard playing maybe 60% of the season. That was a, a absolute robbery that he did not win You know the, the MVP that year. Uh, so I think everyone will make up for it by giving it to him this year. Yeah, no, I, I mean, Harden's my pick. I remember we did a um, a podcast prior to the season, and um, a couple of my co-hosts were saying we're having a discussion about. Um, I think I think it was the time when the um, the first odds for the MVP came out during the off season from Vegas or something like that. And I was looking for him, and Harden was like the, like down the pecking order, and I said, you know what? He's a guy that could win the MVP just because I felt coming in that the Mike D'Antoni, James Harden relationship was almost made in heaven. Like, it was perfect for one another. And, I mean, my co-hosts, Chris De Silva and Chris Tyler, they both disagreed with me. 
and they actually said Kawhi Leonard. They said, and then I made a statement. I said, James Harden has a better chance of winning the MVP than Kawhi Leonard does, and they couldn't believe it. But I think now, like, Harden's been unbelievable. And another question I have is, I mean, we always talk about how I think the last time a non-top three seed won an MVP was Carl Malone in the 80s. Was it Malone? I can't remember. It was someone in the 80s. It was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. If the Thunder go, the Thunder finished fifth or sixth, I mean, around there, do you overlook history and team performance in favor of Westbrook if he averages a triple-double? I don't think you could give it to anybody that's... Uh, I, I mean, he is putting up MVP numbers. There's no question yeah. about it. Well, he's still, he's still he on pace for a triple-double as we, as we record. He's still on pace. Yeah. Yeah, he, 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 it's, it, it's all great, all dandy, but his team's not good enough. You, you have... Yeah. If I, I'd understand if you, you finished still fifth and there wasn't, you know, Harden wasn't putting up the numbers that he's putting up and Durant's not doing what he's doing in, in Golden State and, you know, LeBron's not doing his normal thing. So I'd, I would understand that there. But the fact is, is that there's other players playing at the level that he's playing at, but just don't have to do as much as he has to do. Uh, Westbrook has a lot to do on that team. And the minute they lost to Rent, he became the number one option and the number two option and the number three option. Yeah. <laughs> so his numbers are obviously going to be inflated. And, and there, there is really nothing that uh, anyone else could go out there to do to compete with the, with the way they'd be putting up numbers. Durant doesn't have to rebound as much as Westbrook does. Uh, you know, uh, Harden doesn't have to rebound as much as he does. But what they're doing... Uh, to impact the game is just as important as, you know, the numbers that he's putting up. So when you talk about MVP, obviously most valuable players is the name of the award. I don't think you can argue that, uh, you know, Westbrook's, uh, it would be tough to argue that Westbrook is not valuable to his team, but you also have to win games. If that was the case, uh, you could probably make an argument for guys like yeah, that are that are losing all the time, like uh, Hassan Whiteside. His numbers are yeah. great, but his team his team sucks. Uh, Demarcus for, for forever yeah, for his whole career. Yeah, his, his his numbers are great, but his team isn't great. So I mean, the, there's a lot of te- there's a lot of guys that put up numbers on bad teams. Uh, not to say that the Thunder are a bad team; they're still going to be a playoff team, which is a shock to most, and that's a you know an accomplishment in its own. But maybe we can wrestle uh, you know most improved player or something because he's shown us that yeah. he can reach that that you know that franchise level player. Because there's a lot of people up there that did question whether or not he'd be able to do this, and he's proven them wrong. Yeah, and I think uh, Westbrook's lack of, I mean, we say lack of efficiency, but it's just because he has to. He's got so much of the ball, he's going to turn it over a little bit, and his shooting numbers aren't going to be unbelievable. But, I mean, that's something, if you're looking at raw stats, that's something else that hurts his case. But um, I think, I, I mean, at the moment, I think it has to be Harden. I mean, that game just before New Year's, or was it New Year's Day, I think it was, when he had 53, 17, and 16, was just, it was absolutely insane. Now, we are running out of time, but I do want to touch on something quickly. Now, for those who don't know, myself and Carlin, big big wrestling fans, big, <laughs> big pro wrestling guys, and um, I was thinking, seeing that we had him on, um, a little crossover type of thing, you know, looking at the, um, the, the M- all the NBA players and then the roster in a WWE, which... Well, like which wrestlers would make the best basketball players, and which basketball players would make the best wrestlers, and not even wrestlers, like pro entertainers, right? Because that's what it is, just like sports entertainment. Which guys would you want to see Carlin crossing over and really like well, t- taking each other's spots? If we're talking about personality wise, because that's what that's what wrestling is. Yeah, you could be. You could be a great pro wrestler, so to speak, and we'll mark, we'll, uh, mark out, which is obviously, you know, be happy and you're going to go nuts about 
those type of people. Uh, but you have to, to cross over, you have to have that personality. So there's no one better right now in the NBA better than Joel Embiid. He's yeah. the guy to bring over to the WWE. And I think he would be, to be honest with you, I think he'd be the guy that's perfect for like a WrestleMania spot. He would, he would be the one guy in the NBA, other than obviously the stars, uh, that would come over and fit in within that culture because he's such a character. Uh, he, he, to me, he's that one guy that I think would get over with that with that wrestling <laughs> crowd. It wouldn't be just it wouldn't be just oh yeah, LeBron you know stopped by and uh, he's a fan, which he, he he's been shown at yeah, you know, no, he's been a row, fan, row, yeah. uh, for for many years, and you know, or, or you bring in uh, you know, whoever else uh, Duran or whoever else. But I think Embiid would be the perfect guy to to be able to 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 come over, and it's not easy. I think. A lot of people look at you know the WWE and say it's fake and anyone can do it, um, but until they get there, and we have actors uh, yeah. who, who come over and fail at like, getting over with the WWE audience because yeah. it's a different style of acting um, that that we expect as wrestling fans. And I think Embiid has a little bit of it in. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, maybe another character we touched on him before, but how about Westbrook? I mean, he's imagine yeah. him like imagine he he he's ringier. Like <laughs> he, he was my second. He was my second choice, to be quite honest. Okay. I thought about him getting him getting the mic. He's not the greatest speaker, but no. he could he could have Steve Adams as his manager. And Steve Adams, <laughs> is absolute gold. So uh, they'd be the Enzo Warren cast of the uh, of the uh, the NBA. I would love to see um 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 Bobin with with a manager Boban Ma Mayanovic. Ma- oh, Ma- oh, apologies man. for the um for the um. Fiance Nation, but imagine yeah, him. He, he's he's time, a giant. Gonzalez. Yeah. yeah. Gonzalez esque. If, uh, if we know wrestling, we, we know they love giants. Like they love yeah, tall they guys. Do. <laughs> they do. If they needed a new guy to, you know, for Braun to squash it, he'd probably be the, uh, <laughs> he'd probably be the guy. Uh, he'd be the guy over there. Uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's huge. I mean, oh, he's I'm, a monster. I'm, I'm waiting for the time that where I, I'm over there and I get to see him in person to really truly feel yeah. how big this guy is. Cause I've obviously seen, uh, NBA players up close personally. You're always shocked, um, to, to, to be there and, 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 you know, realize how big and yeah. long these guys are. Um, uh, I'm, I'm six two, so it's not like I'm a midget or yeah. so, sorry, a little person <laughs> in my language. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so these guys, sometimes you still get shocked how big these guys yeah, are. Well, so, over the off season, excuse me, I met Andrew Bogut in person for the first time doing an interview right. with him. And when I shook his hand, like I almost got scared. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like <laughs> I knew you were over seven foot, but like, I mean, it's so cliche to say that you looked up to him, but I legitimately had to look, put my head almost at a 90 degree <laughs> angle looking up just to see, looking into his eyes. When I said hello, I was like, Oh, man, I, I was like, wow, this guy's a monster. Yeah. He's huge. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think the general front public really understands. Nah, unless, unless you uh, meet him in person. Guys, uh, and like, yeah. when we say that, it's not even like sitting in the second level and watching him on the court. Like, you literally have to be standing next to them. Yeah. Or on yeah. a like, like, on the same level as them. It's unbelievable. They're huge. Yeah, it, it really is. It really is. Yeah, these, these guys are, are, are mad. And I, we could go to say the same thing for pro wrestlers. Some of these yeah. pro wrestlers are mad. I <laughs> uh, had to, had the chance to go to the obviously NXT. I know you did in yeah. Melbourne, but when it was here in Sydney, and I, I was lucky enough to have pretty decent seats, so I was sitting third row, and they they some of these guys were pretty big. There, <laughs> there was guys where I was looking at, I was like, wow, these guys are like uh, Cien Almas for you, yeah. really hardcore wrestling fans. That guy is huge. <laughs> I don't think people realize how big he was. Like, I must have said three times, holy, this guy's massive. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, they, I think my um, one of my mates' um, dads, he met, he saw the Big Show once at the um, at the airport. He works at the airport. Oh man, he saw the Big Show and he was just like, he was in awe. Like he literally could not believe it. Like yeah. that guy. <laughs> oh man. I can't even. There's some, there's some tall people out there. Um, unfortunately, Carlin, we've run out of. We're actually going overtime, which usually happens on this podcast. So it's not that big of a deal. But um, I appreciate your time, like to come on. I really do. Where can we find all your stuff? Yeah, absolutely. You can find me on Twitter at the Carlin Gay, and of course, uh, NBA Australia is the home for for all our content, uh, basketball wise. And I'm sure everybody that listens to this podcast goes there, whether I'm working there or not. So that's that's the place to be. Uh, the, the main thing here is that uh, we obviously want to reach out to as many fans as we can. We do that through Facebook Live uh, every Wednesday, yeah. and that's uh, 3 p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time. So uh, yourself getting, and Benyam, is it? You do? Yeah, myself and Benyam Kadane. Yep. Benyam's the Benyam's the man. I mean, he's. Uh, <laughs> He, uh, him and me, I've only I've only really met him since uh, I met him in November. I met him. Uh, I met him at a, a draft tally conference in June. He's he's yeah, awesome. Great guy. He is. He Great is, guy. He really is. He yeah. Really is. Uh, I, everyone told me before he got here. Um, that you know what he's a great guy and uh, my expectations were so high of him and when I did meet him he, he met up he met every single one he's, he's he's really a joy to work with uh, we haven't had any issues with anything um, he's, he he really is I can't say enough about how great it is to have uh, if you're listening Benjamin he's your your, your your plug for, like this was not planned it's just happening no 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 absolutely <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think I don't even think uh, he, he knows that I, that I'm doing the show. Today, so he's uh, he, this is not anything. Uh, this is not anything that I wouldn't say about him. It's uh, his face, and definitely, obviously, I'm saying it behind his back. But yeah, no, he's, he's, he's obviously a true a true joy to work with, and um, he, he does have uh, opinions on basketball that I don't always agree with, but it, it makes sense. So that's that's what you get on on Facebook Live with us. Um, we may not always agree, but uh, you're going to agree with one of us. Yeah, and uh, you hope anyway. Probably, it's probably going to be with Benny. <laughs> uh, he's a little bit more. Uh, he's a little bit more sane when it comes to his basketball opinion. <laughs> well, again, uh, I really appreciate you coming on, Carl. And um, may- maybe in the future you can come on again soon. You know, if if my co-hosts ditch me again to go to go overseas and do whatever they're doing over there, um, <laughs> their nice January holidays while we're in here in it the studio. Nice. Yeah, just it just nice grinding it out in the studio. Season to just you know just up and leave, yeah. uh, you know, and head over overseas. These guys, uh, I don't want to get in anyone's pockets, but they must be making the bucks down there. I gotta. <laughs> Go, go talk to my boss and see what's happening. <laughs> well, mate, uh, we look forward to uh, following all your stuff for the rest of the season. Um, there's a lot of basketball to watch. There's a lot of stuff, a lot of intriguing stuff in the NBA world at the moment. And um, thanks for coming on, mate. I appreciate it, guys. I appreciate right. it. To keep up to date with the latest American sports news and interviews from around SEN, follow SEN America on Twitter at SEN America and on Facebook at facebook.com slash SEN America.